time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the uh, little show we call the Cold War. Right. Uh, my little buddy, yeah. how are you this uh, marvelous day? I am doing great. I'm here with you, and that's all I need. That's all I need. Yeah, we're some? simple. That's all we need. I've is been each called. Other. That's the word. I I would say that that word has followed me throughout my life. Simple. Yeah. 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 In a good way. Yeah. yeah. Or not. Uh, 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 well, it's, it, when you're as simple as you are, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. And it doesn't matter. You know, and it doesn't it really matter. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You take everything as... Oh, thank you. Being good. Like that. Yeah. That's how I when someone goes, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and I walk away and they just have a look. Anyway, let's. we should probably do the show. Speaking of thanking people, I want to thank Richard Little or Liddell. Right. I'm never really sure how Ooh, Richard fancy. pronounces his name. Oh, now, uh, what did we do last week? Was it Caesar... Cold uh, Renaissance, Leonardo. whatever we did last week. I don't. I think it was Nero. I think. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. I was talking about a cartoon from my childhood yes. that had the uh, this line in it, and I couldn't remember what it was. It was size of an elephant. Right. And uh, Richard uh, sent me a message saying it was, that is Bez the Beast on the Arabian Nights, which was a cartoon that appeared in the Banana Splits right. back in the day. Did you ever watch the yes, Banana Splits, you Ray? you were reaching way, th- I mean, I was practically just yeah. out of the bubble. That's how far you're reaching out. Wow. Reaching yeah. back. <laughs> you're, still, you're still in the bubble. It's you always, had a TV in yeah, the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> It's the one thing they allowed in the bubble. That's what I heard. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, so I, I looked up some clips of that. Hanna-Barbera uh, cartoon also had Farik the, magi- the magician who would say... Rosanne Flotard! Oh. He would make, uh, like, carpets fly, sure. anything fly. Sure. Yeah, uh, so there you go. The audience members, please do not repeat that phrase because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, not yeah. unlike Hogwarts, just don't go around willy nilly saying magical spells unless you know what you're doing. That's yeah, that's that's Thank a good you. rule of thumb. Thank you. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to take a break from please. Korea to talk about the creation of NATO. Ray. Yeah, uh, heard of it. Obviously relevant with the whole Ukraine situation today, and yeah. And it took on a new kind of mission during the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Obviously, NATO supposedly was set up to contain, help contain the evil communists, and then the Korean War broke out. It was the first time they were like, oh, shit, yeah. see? Uh, here it is. The communists are going to try and take over the world now, right. and uh, we need NATO more than ever. It's a bit like they're doing with uh, uh, you know, Russia and Ukraine today. The, NATO's using it as a, as a justification of their continued existence. Right. But um, we, I, I want to go look, go back and look at where it came mm-hmm. from, and we're going to have to revisit some old conversations yes. about things like the the League of Nations and the Marshall Plan, 
which was sort of, in, in some ways, the progenitors of NATO. And, uh, you know, I think of the Marshall Plan and NATO as, as um, two sides of the same coin. Um, they're both, you know, the Marshall Plan was really the United States buying Western Europe, mm. buying the economy, the, the loyalty, the trading, basically buying an economic right. block was what it was. Right. If I could, I, I just heard one historian, I read one historian say the Americans bought Western Europe where the Soviets took Eastern Europe. So basically the same thing. We just did it with dollars instead of guns. But you're, you're absolutely right. That was our sphere of influence. We were going to control that through money. Yeah. So the Marshall Plan was the United States uh, buying a trading block and NATO was there to defend their investment, right. basically. Yeah. We've, just, we've yeah. just spent all this right. money. Uh, we, better, yeah. you know, we better build an army, put an army in place right. to make sure you know, it, the, the money gets but, spent uh, well, wisely. Well, I, I prefer to think of it as, look, here's a sack of money. By the way, Big Tony, he's just going to stand over there. Just ignore him. However, if something yeah. should go amiss, yeah. Big Tony might have yeah. to be involved. Let's, let's pray it doesn't come yeah. to that. Okay? Yeah. Now, we've, we've, we've gone over these things before, but I went back and looked. Our Marshall Plan miniseries was in September 2018. Wow. So it's been four wow. years since we've really talked in depth about the Marshall Plan. And we're not going to go yeah. over the whole thing again, but we're going we're gonna to just do like a revision of some of these things yeah, uh, uh, where it's relevant, exactly. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, obviously, NATO was an American initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, uh, it was the USA's way of getting or staying, getting back directly involved militarily mm-hmm. in Europe after World War II. So during peacetime, how do we have an active military presence right. uh, in Europe? Lord Ismay's famous quip, Lord Ismay, for people who don't know, was the first Secretary General of NATO, mm-hmm. so maybe knows a thing or two about right. it. He said NATO was formed to keep the Russians out, the Germans down and the Americans in. Right. Not wrong. Not wrong. I mean, the fear of, I mean, yes, everybody's afraid of the communists, but they're also, excuse me, they're also afraid of a resurgence of German industrial and military might. That's a very real thing. And you have to remember, these people aren't really thinking about the future. As NATO is being formed, they're obsessed with the past, the last two wars. But what's ironic, and there's going to be many ironies in this, is that NATO is going to be a selling point for, for Americans. The Europeans can look at the Americans and go, here's another reason we need NATO. We need Germany to be strong again, but if we put it within a larger context of allies, you and we won't have to fear it. So they were trying to solve several problems with NATO. But yeah, because of the communist threat, they're going to need Germany strong and on their side. And when when you talk about the communist threat, I mean, I think mm. in the West, we, we tend to, tra- because of, you know, whatever, 70, 80 years of propaganda, yes. we tend to think of that as... Russia invading or the Soviet Union invading these countries. But that, I mean, and that was, you know, in the back of their mind somewhere they thought that might happen. That's what they thought was happening with Korea, obviously. They thought Russia was involved, and we know today that they weren't really, to any great extent, apart from a nod and a wink from Stalin at the beginning. But um, And a little bit of logistical and tactical support. But it was, you know, really it was Kim and then it was China. But um, the real threat in Europe, uh, as we talked about when we, when we did the Marshall Plan stuff, was that uh, socialist slash communist 
movements were popular yes. across Europe as they were around the world at the end, after World War yes. Two. You know, capitalism yeah. had massively failed the people of the world, Great Twice. Depression, um, two world wars. There were capitalist world wars, um, right. uh, and, and people were actively considering and open to alternative forms of socio-political cooperation mm-hmm. uh, in their countries. It wasn't, you know, Russia uh, invading and forcing their will. The people, some of the people yeah. in, in these countries, in Italy, in, in, in Germany, in France, etc., mm-hmm. wanted socialism. Yes. They wanted a better way. They a wanted something... Way. More, more, yes. more of the riches are shared. Let, let's go with that. Yeah, and the U.S. was determined to stop that from happening, right. for all of the reasons that we've talked about on the show for years. Um, now, of course, the, the U.S. had famously been isolationist yeah. for most of its history. Yes, um, Good stuff. especially during the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, you know, it sort of became a independent country in the the, the late 1700s mm-hmm. and fought a couple of wars, uh, 1812. After that, they were like, you know what? We're, we're not getting involved in Europe's fucking problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's your problem. <laughs> now, of course, the US was relatively weak. It was economically weak. It was militarily weak during the 19th century. So it, it didn't really have the wherewithal to get involved. And they were, you know, guys were trying to build your own country. Right. And you're like, you know, we're going to focus on doing what we do and we're not going to get involved in what you do. During World War I, um, the U.S. was uh, an associated power. Mm-hmm. It yeah, wasn't really technically or officially an ally right. of Britain and France. It was just an, it was a, it was adjacent, right. as they would say today. It was it was war adjacent. <laughs> uh, Which I know that that word no. keeps popping up in TV shows that I'm watching. Um, it's like Cobra Kai. Right. I don't know if you saw Cobra Kai, uh, the last season of Cobra Kai, but all the main karate dudes uh, rock up to this thing and they're presenting themselves and Daniel LaRusso's wife is the last one. Yeah, all the, all the guys are like, I'm Daniel LaRusso, sensei of Miyagi-Do karate and I'm Johnny Lawrence, sensei of Eagle Fang karate. Right. I'm Cho Zen, sensei of... She goes, I'm uh, so-and-so LaRusso, uh, I'm karate adjacent. <laughs> That would be that would be me. But see, even though it's a different word, it, it, it's very important to know that the Americans were like, "Look, we want to make absolutely clear: we, the U.S., are separate and will stay separate from you, Europe. We'll help with this, but don't think that we're suddenly partners because we're not." And remember the Monroe Doctrine of 1823: Stay the fuck out of the Americas, but we're going to help with this one time because it's a big deal. But do not come knocking on our door. We are not friends. We are not associated. We are not colleagues, and we're certainly not partners. Mm. That's what I said to you right. when you called me up the other day and said I need help. I was like, "Don't, don't, don't get me don't involved. Get confused. Don't get me involved. No. Not again. <laughs> no, not <yeah>. again. <laughs> not again. Not after the Grand Canyon." <laughs> anyway, now after World War One, when Britain and France took territory from Germany yes. uh, by force at the Versailles Peace Conference, nineteen nineteen. The U.S. were even more convinced yes. that they had to stay out of these affairs. It was an aha moment um, for the Americans. It's like, see? Yeah, it was see? like, look, see? See? Cunts? We got involved and supported this thing yeah. for purely moral reasons. Yeah. Eh, okay, so 
we'd loaned a lot of money right. to Britain and we were we worried that we might not get it back. And sure. yeah, But outside yeah. of that, yeah. they yeah. didn't say that publicly. Yeah. Um, oh, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Mm. No, just real quick. This is not in the hit. This is not in most history books. But Woodrow Wilson sat down with the committee, the Versailles Committee, the leaders of Britain and France, and he said, "Look, I would call you a cunt, but you're not that deep. You're not that warm, and I don't want to stare at you for the next hour. But I don't like you." Okay, but the point is, but, yeah, but, but the Versailles confirmed for the Americans that they were capitalists, they were greedy, and all they did was beat the crap out of each other, be mean to each other, not respect each other, and it just caused one war after another. Now, Woodrow Wilson wanted to use his 14 points to end war uh, via the League of Nations, mm-hmm. which we'll get into a little bit um, or, you know, uh, 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 how that was set up and why it failed. Right. Um, But, you know, for people who... I'm sure most people know a little bit about the League of Nations. We've talked about it before, but it was obviously the the precursor to the United Nations and the precursor to NATO as well. Mm. Uh, The whole world was supposed to be bound up in a collective security system where they would uh, negotiate uh, conflicts, talk talk about it. Yeah. And if one country, you know, breached the conditions, then everyone would jump on them and get pull them back into line. Um, gold were Goldsworthy Lowe's Dickinson. I love that name. GLD. Uh, GLD. GLD, as he was known to his friends, or just Dicko. But uh, he preferred dick. GLD. Golden Dick. Gold. Gold Dick. <laughs> yeah. Gold. Gold Low Dick. Gold Low Dick. They would call him. He didn't like that as much. He's like just gold. gold Goldie. Goldie Dick. He was a British political scientist at Cambridge. Right. Uh, homosexual, humanist. Nothing wrong with that. He coined the term League of Nations in 1914, two weeks after World War One broke out. Ah. He um, put forward a manifesto mm-hmm. for how to avoid future wars, called it the League of Nations, right. drafted a scheme for its organisation. Now, I mentioned the fact that he's gay for good reason, mm. I'll get into it uh, mm. a little bit later on. Okay. But uh, I'm not saying that just because no. I think there's, it's relevant here. Yes, he and a guy called Lord Bryce, who was a British politician and the former ambassador from the UK to the United States, right, played a leading role in pulling together a, a group of international pacifists. Mm. Became known as the Bryce Group, I like that, and then later changed their name to the League of Nations Union. And they were trying to build public support yeah. for this idea of of uh, a League of Nations. They were trying to put pressure on the, the Liberal Party that was in government in the UK at the time. Right. Dickinson wrote a pamphlet in 1915 called After the War. Mm. He talked about his League of Peace right. essentially being uh, a, um, an organisation for conciliation, mm. arbitration and conciliation right. between countries if um, they had disagreements. Uh, there was a lot of secret diplomacy going on. You know, we know that World War One yeah. came about because of a series of secret alliances right. that kicked in when Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, mm-hmm. well, six months after he was assassinated, yeah. while they were all thinking, well, we can't let that you know, we can't let that go. We have to get involved. And yeah. then, well, you get involved, I have to get involved. Yeah. Oh, if they're getting involved, we and, should get involved. And, and i got to get involved before mm. you get involved. And so it was a race. And mm. they already had it planned out. They just hit a button and automated war. 
and it was uh, ridiculous. Yes. And anyway, uh, uh, Goldie Dick um, <laughs> said that the impossibility of war, I believe, would be increased in proportion as the issues of foreign policy should be known to and controlled by public opinion. There's an idea. Get it all out mm. in the open. No secrets, no backroom meetings, no handshakes over mm. lunch or whatever, trade your hookers, whatever. Get everything out in the open. Listen to the people. Do the will of the majority of the people. And maybe that's one way, the best way to avoid war. Not a bad plan to implement. And then he created something called WikiLeaks. What? And they threw him in Belmarsh prison hey, for the rest of his life. You got to take the good with the bad. I, I do want to say this real quick before I let you go on. So, so here's Dickinson and others in Europe going. You know what? We can do better than this. Let's let's talk about an idea where there's a league. Well, the same thing is going on in America with the former president William Howard Taft in 1915. So, so the Americans are kind of thinking of something. The Europeans are kind of thinking of something. The Americans are going to get the Canadians involved. So the, the good news is that everybody's kind of beginning to get on the same page. Hey, let's come up with some large international league so we don't have to go through this because World War I is going to be absolutely hell. Let's try to do better next time. Well, I think the the person who was primarily responsible uh, after Goldie Dick right. um, sort of floated the idea mm-hmm. uh, and the Bryce Group were pushing it, it became, you know, popular um, in the US as well as the UK. Right. And I think the main person in the US who was, like, uh, championing this was a lesbian uh, by the name of Jane Adams. Oh, I've heard that. The reason I mentioned Goldie Dick was gay, right. Jane Adams was gay, mm-hmm. um, and I'm wondering, you know, maybe we should just put gay people in charge of the world. Gay, right. and we've gay been saying for years women. women should be in exactly. charge of the world. Yeah, yeah. just gay yeah. people and yes. women in general. I, I have no. January, that's great. yeah, January 1915, um, Jane Adams ran a peace conference right. in the United States. She was an American activist, reformer, social worker, sociologist author, became the first American woman to be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. Wow. And I was in the car with Chrissy yesterday. I said, you ever heard of Jane Adams? Yeah. And she was like, uh, no, yeah. never heard of her. I was like, fuck me. Like the first American woman to win a Nobel Peace Prize, you've never heard of her. She's like, nope. Men write history like, books. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And approve them. So, yeah. But Chrissy did like, you know, fucking f- feminist uh, stuff at university. He studied feminism right. and but this blah, 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 blah. That I don't shows know. you how much that got buried or she got buried. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she still waxes a vag and shaves her armpits, so she couldn't have paid that much attention. Right. Thank goodness, is Thank all I'm saying. Keep yeah. that marriage going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the delegates at this peace conference that Jane Adams put together uh, adopted a platform calling for the creation of international bodies with administrative and legislative powers to develop a permanent league of neutral nations to work for peace and disarmament. It's great. So, um, yeah, you got a gay guy in the UK, right. a lesbian in the US, and they're, you know, they're, they, they came up with the ideas for this, but of course... She's a woman so, um, and a bunch of other women. They had an international women's conference in The Hague um, yeah. uh, in 1915. is attended by 1,136 women mm-hmm. from neutral nations, mm-hmm. resulted in the establishment of an organisation called the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, or WILPF. 
um, for short, just wilt. Can they change that one was their word first mistake. and go from milf? But yeah. that's that's not. I'm not. I'm not yeah, marketing. Milf. So yeah. But I, yeah. I imagine well, it didn't take because it's a bunch of women doing it. It's a bunch of women. They then went out after this conference. They met with heads of state all around the world, right. including the U.S. Right. And pitched this idea for a League of Nations, and men just laughed at yes. them and went, "Are you kidding me?" Like. Yeah. You know, you, you know, muffin munches. Yeah, you don't. Rug munches. I'm not, we're not listening to a no. bunch of rug munches. No. Um, sorry. I mean, sorry. bad enough that you're women, but you're rug munches. Yeah. That's, uh, that's disgusting. I've got to compete with you for the affection and attention of my wife. No. No, yeah. thank well, you. Well, I, and look, I don't eat my wife's pussy, and the fact that you are willing to just makes me look bad. Um, it's all a competition. Please continue. So Wilson refused, and uh, I think the foreign ministers of the other countries said, look, it would never work. It's crazy. But we won't uh, work against it. If you can get it up and running, we will support it, but we're not going to push for it, and we don't believe it will work. Right. Heather says that to me. If you can get it up and running, okay, but I'm not going to do anything to help. And I don't believe believe it's going to work. You you take all those blue pills, I still don't believe... It's going to make much of a difference. Well, the first month I rubbed uh, the blue pills. It, you know, you got to ingest. Anyway, I'll, I'll tell you off air. Don't worry about it. Surprisingly, after World War One, right. uh, Woodrow Wilson huh. uh, came up with the idea for a League of Nations Shock. and took credit for it Gasp. and won a Nobel Prize for its creation. And learn how to so. perform oral sex. Unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he stole, he stole that idea. It's like, okay, now that this horrific war... But but obviously we should give Woodrow Wilson some props because he sincerely did try. He was talking to David Lloyd George, and he goes, look, I'd like to know your views about a post-war world. What do you know? Where, you, where do you stand on this issue? And George is like, I would be happy with some kind of international body. And that's when Woodrow Wilson went, okay, bitch, and slammed down his 14 points. Let's, let's you know, you, walk, you talk the talk, let's see you walk the walk. Lloyd George said, that's great. Are you guys going to join? He's like, no. no. <laughs> I no, mean, what? I want to, but those senators listen, back there, not so much. Listen, let me tell you something about America. <laughs> Our job is to tell you what to do. Do what we say, not what we do. What? We're not going to join no fucking organization. Fuck you, you don't limit me. You don't limit me. Uh-uh. No. Yeah, yeah he couldn't convince uh, U.S. Congress to... Join couldn't convince them to ratify the Treaty of Versailles, right. um, you know, the, which which was sort of part and parcel of membership of the League. Right. Um, you know, there there are various excuses for why the U.S. Mm. Congress wouldn't uh, join the League of Nations. One version is they saw the treatment of Germany after World War One Treaty of Versailles as a betrayal of the quote unquote noble reasons. Spirit. That the U.S. joined yes. the war in the first place. Yes. Like we 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 supported it to put down um, was to stop Germany, but not so you could carve it up right. and, exactly. and take the spoils of war. Exactly. But it was also as we talked about when we did our um, episodes on the League of Nations years ago, partly because the British demanded. <coughs> sorry, the British demanded that all of their territories would get a vote, right. a separate vote in the League of Nations, mm. which would mean they had more sway over things. And then this oh. conversation came back up when they were founding the UN, remember? They were like, well, we yeah. want all of our territories and satellites yeah, to have a vote. vote. They're trying to 
trying to rig the system yes. from the get-go. Yes. And the US didn't have enough, as many territories that they could lay claim to because right. they'd already integrated them into the states. Yep. They go, well, we've got um, Puerto Rico. Philippines. Uh, what else? Philippines, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was America. it. Yeah, they'd already integrated Hawaii, etc. Yeah. Now, if I could real quick, and I don't know if you're going to make this point, officially uh, the Senate of the United States would shoot this down because the Senate's like, look, the, the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, the greatest document ever, everybody's telling me that, says that we get to declare wall, law. Oh, shit, I can't even talk now. We get to declare war. And we're not fucking going to give away that right, that privilege that we have. So it's going to not pass the Senate or there's not going to be enough votes. And so Wilson's dream, his plan, at least as far as American participation gets shot down. Yeah. So then uh, after World War One, obviously you have the Great Depression, mm. um, the rise of fascism and communism in Europe and Russia. Yeah. The US stays isolationist when uh, FDR runs for the White House. Mm. He's pro-isolationism. Yeah, we're never getting involved Ooh. in uh, these Ooh. wars yeah. in Europe. Not, not our business. <laughs> Right. Between 1935 and 1937, Congress in the U.S. passed three neutrality acts mm. to, again, try and keep the U.S. out of getting involved in a war again like they did in World War One. Right. Made it illegal for Americans to sell or transport arms or war materials to belligerent nations. Mm -hmm. Like, that's your entire fucking business model these days. Now. But back then. That, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> We were more pre-World War II, in the decade in before World War II, yes, yes. You, you, it was illegal to sell weapons yeah. we, to belligerent nations. We don't want to be involved in anything. We're not going to take sides. We're not going to participate. And if we do that, then no one should mess with us, and that's, that's great. Until you become this big, powerful, producing nation that needs massive markets. So there's the idea. And then there's the realism, and they haven't quite met yet. But at this point, America's like, nope, we're out. Here's some laws. We are not getting involved in your next war. Well, the, the Neutrality Acts were largely repealed in 1941, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when there was, like, German submarines and U.S. vessels getting into incidents. Um, right. And then the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, obviously. But you know, you were you were already taking sides in oh, 1941, yeah, as we've talked about yeah. many times. The attack on Pearl Harbor was a response; it was a reaction to America's economic warfare against Japan yeah. and in support of Japan's enemies. Absolutely. Um, but during World War II, Americans learned two things: one, the military Keynesianism is a fantastic way of getting a country out of a depression. Right. Uh, and two, mm -hmm. that with all of the world's previous economic blocks in disarray, right. there was a once-in-a-lifetime historical opportunity for the US to take control over the global economy. Yes. And that started with the Bretton Woods Conference, mm where the uh, greenback replaced the pound sterling as the default international currency. Right. And it kind of ended with the Marshall Plan. Or it didn't end, but it was the next step of it was the Marshall Plan. Right. Because as we know, after World War II, Truman started to de demobilise the US armed forces mm -hmm. and a lot of Americans, particularly Republicans, were critical of that plan. Yeah. 
worried that Europe would become communist, therefore the US would be blocked in full or in part exactly. from being able to trade with yeah. European markets. And we have to have that or we'll go right back into a recession. Hmm. Could I say something real quick? I just tie that into the League of Nations. So the League of Nations is is up and running. Uh, the Americans obviously are not a part of it, but um, it's 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 a great idea, but it's flawed in its execution. In the mid 1930s, Italy walks out of the League of Nations. They invaded uh, Abyssinia, modern day Ethiopia. Um, they were, you know, there was really no way to punish. Anybody, um, you know, because there were some people going, we have to have economic sanctions. We have to do this. We have to do that. But what what they were finding out in the League of Nations was that nobody was willing to punish anybody else if it hurt their own economy. Britain and France were trading with Italy, so they didn't do anything seriously. Italy walks out. Japan invades China. A lot of people give Japan a hard time. Japan walks out of the League of Nations. So a good idea, but clearly there's some serious tweaks that need to happen if this thing is going to survive because there's no there's no stick. There's no way to punish people who break the rules. And so clearly they had a way to go. But the idea was there. It was out of, you know, it's um it's it's out of the box. Uh maybe they'll get a better next time, but the League of Nations was a good idea. And if I could just real quick, I did not know this. Because this this is so uh it makes me feel pathetic about how America is today. But back then, the League of Nations was focused on labor conditions, just treatment of native inhabitants, human and drug trafficking, the arms trade, global health, prisoners of war, and the protection of minorities in Europe. So it was the real deal. They were really trying to make the world a better place. They just didn't have enough ways to punish a transgressor. transgressor so it did not work in the end. Hmm. I just thought it was very noble of them to try <clears throat> And, of course, after World War II, we have the United Nations, mm-hmm. which has a l- little bit more teeth. Right. Um, still relatively ineffective, of course, but it, 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 it's the beginnings of trying to make it more effective, and it has the Security Council, which was the missing component exactly. previously. <clears throat> so then we get George Kennan's uh, X article, The Truman Doctrine, and so that was the point of the, the Marshall Plan. Mm. George Marshall, obviously a general, then Secretary of State, right. was quoted in a department, uh, State Department bulletin in 1948 as saying, it is idle to think that a Europe left to its own efforts would remain open to American business in the same way that we have known it in the past. Mm-hmm. Let me read that again. It is idle to think that a Europe left to its own efforts would remain open to American business in the same way that we have known it in the past. So America needs to find a way to encourage them to stay open to American businesses. Exactly. That's To me, that's the smoking gun of the Marshall Plan. Um, You know, he's... And I and you know I know we've banged on about this for years, mm-hmm. but you know I think the general um, perception, right? And even when you read all the history books, like uh, like I, I, I read like twenty five thirty books preparing for this miniseries right. about the Marshall Plan and NATO, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Nearly uniformly, they talk about the Marshall Plan. Oh. 
like it was Second this coming. great act of yeah. charity. Yes. From America to Europe. Um, From my family yes. to your family. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was just charity. Yeah. And, I mean, it's astounding to me that it's 2022 and it's still difficult to find yeah. histories about the Marshall Plan and the creation of NATO that aren't yeah. pure American propaganda. Well, if you write that uh, book and you take it to Simon & Schuster or whoever, I'm not just picking on SNS, uh, there's a good chance they'll be like, thank you for showing us we're going to give this one a miss because yeah. it's the audience. The audience is already tainted. Yeah. You can't, it's not going to work. Yeah. They don't want to know the truth. They can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Could I just real quick, I, I hope you found this as entertaining as I did. As we go into the Marshall Plan and as we go into NATO, to NATO, excuse me, what I loved was the arrogance on both sides. The Americans were like, look, twice, not once, but twice, we had to come over there and save your ass. We're better than you. We're superior. We're God's chosen people, whatever, the city on a hill, that kind of stuff. And the Europeans are like, bitch, we've been around for thousands of years. We've got all these cultural uh, achievements and developments and we're posh and we know how to wear scarves properly. Fuck you. And so both sides were coming to each other, completely convinced that they were the superior one. And yet... As we just said, the Americans needed the European markets. The Europeans needed the Americans involved in some kind of treaty to at least give the Russians pause. So arrogance is one thing, but necessity is the mother of invention. So they're able to eventually sit down and work something out. But I just loved how they were shit-talking each other, assuming that they were the superior people. I just enjoyed that mm. very much. Yeah, you love shit-talking. <laughs> really do. Uh, yeah. Lawrence Kaplan was uh, the founder and director of the Lyman L. Lemnitzer Center for NATO Studies, sure. and before that, he was the historian for the Department of the uh, Department of Defense. Right. And um, he's written a he, he's passed away now. Uh, good story though. He passed away in 2020, mm-hmm. age 95, mm. married for 70 odd years to his wife. She died three weeks later. Aww. Isn't that romantic? Can't Married for like 75 years yeah. and they died, passed away within a few weeks. Anyway, he wrote a, a number of books on the history of NATO mm-hmm. and even uh, he admits the self-interest component. Right. In his book, NATO 1948, he writes, in many ways the Marshall Plan reflected a combination of US idealism and enlightened self-interest. Right. I love that. Short-term handouts had failed in the past and loans were not repaid. Mm-hmm. But a prosperous Europe was expected to be a partner that would not only contribute to the economic well-being of the United States, but become an ally against Soviet penetration because the European beneficiaries would adopt variations of the US model of society. They would be little Americans. I love that. I love that. Yeah. um, And, uh, you know, basically that's code for saying, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Christian and capitalist, I guess, um, and and keep out the atheist commies. (laughs) The the Marshall Plan uh, didn't have a military component. Right. It did have a political component, though, as we talked about on our Marshall Plan miniseries. the one of the the terms, mm. if you were going to be a recipient of Marshall Plan funding, right. 
was you had to comply with US demands to crush any socialist or communist groups in the country. Yes. Um, and then they invited the Soviet Union to take part in Marshall Plan funding. <laughs> well, they had to because it's good optics. Please, I know your people are suffering too, Eastern Europe, Moscow, whatever. Let us help you. Yeah. You just have to do it our way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which means you have to disband your entire government and <laughs> other, uh, socioeconomic system. But other, but other than, that, than that, we're all good here. We're good. So yeah, should we say easy, next Tuesday? Easy money. Next Tuesday, good yeah. for you? Okay. Um, and, of course, uh, the recipients had to buy American goods and services. Yes. Which was the only goods and services, really, that was available to get anywhere in the world at the time. But you know, it was official. It was official. You had to yeah. get it from American manufacturers. Mostly. mostly. You had to spend most yeah, of the money. The and it majority. wasn't money. Exactly. It was mostly credit notes. Right. You know, a, it, it was I'm, like, oh, yeah. You, now give it back. Okay, what do you need? A tractor? Here you go. Yeah. Now, all of this means um, the the... Countries in Europe that wanted to accept Marshall Plan money mm. had to be pro-U.S. governments, pro-U.S. administrations, right. um, which means that they, you know, would willingly do what the U.S. wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that we, we've talked about the Italian election, uh, nineteen forty-eight, when it looked like the Communist Party might win oh, yeah. in Italy. Right, they had a lot of support. Yes, the U.S. Came, came out publicly mm-hmm. during the election campaign and said that if the communists won, Italy wouldn't get any Marshall Plan funds. Oh. That's just- Listen, you're free to elect whoever you want because <laughs> we believe in freedom. But if you elect yeah. big- the communists... Yeah. Yeah. You don't get any of our money well, let's just say and our goods. Big Tony's going to come around and is going to collect everything he passed out, and we'd hate for that to happen. Uh, Tony is not yeah. a—he's not the smoothest person. Sometimes he gets his orders mixed up. It, it'd be a shame if anything happened to your daughters. But we'll have to take the money back. And, I mean, that's a fucking threat. That's a beautiful political, pure threat. It's actually the analogy is mm-hmm. Tony Soprano mm-hmm. going to a business and saying. <laughs> We're going to buy you out. Uh, Congratulations. If, if, if you, but you've got a choice. Yeah. Uh, we believe in choice. We, we believe in democracy. Really? Right? You can say no. Yeah. Uh, you say no. When you come tomorrow, it'll be burned down. <laughs> but you've got a choice. You can choose it. Or you can say, you say yes or no. Right. Yeah. Up to you. It's up to you. Up to you. Surprise me. Um, and... Uh, you know, it, it, it's more sophisticated, but uh, I don't think that's changed right. today. Right. You know, the the you know if you if you believe guys like uh, the guy who wrote Confessions of an Economic Hitman, mm-hmm. the way the U.S. conducts themselves internationally these days is not that much different. It's like, okay, um, Mr. President um, of uh, whatever country, mm-hmm. here's what we want: we want access to your resources, we want access to your markets, we want you to buy, you know, let our construction companies come in, whatever. Right. Uh, our businesses come in. We want you to borrow all this money from our banks and World Bank and Goldman Sachs and whatever. Um, run your country into a massive debt. Uh, you know, stop all your protectionism. Mm-hmm. Stop all your tariffs. Yeah. Uh, let us keep our tariffs, but you cut. You get right. rid of your tariffs. Um, and if you don't do that, 
Well, then we're going to uh, say that you're a communist and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll replace you with somebody who will. Bad things will happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And your family. Yeah. 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 Um, but so here's the thing. But, you know, when, when you talk to most uh, Americans, they say, well, the, the Europeans, uh, uh, you know, uh, asked to join NATO. They wanted to join NATO. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, and of course, oh, well, yeah. And when you get rid of all the people who would say no, right. and the only ones left yeah. are the ones that will say yes, then it's not surprising when they all say yes. If you crush all of the parties that would have said no, right. it's not surprising that what you get is the ones that will say yes. Um, of course, getting back to Italy, mm-hmm. not only did the US threaten Italy, right. you, better, you, you better make the right decision or else they, of course, secretly used the CIA to finance the Italian political opposition to the communists to make sure that they won. They did win. I think the Christian Democrats in 1948 got 55% of the vote. The communists, though, still managed to win 33% of the vote. That's impressive. Despite America threatening the entire country if they voted in the communists. They still, I think they they got 19% in the previous election. Right. They got 33% in this one, even with... U.S. threats hanging over their heads. So they were growing. Um, And then how long did the CIA continue to secretly fund the Christian Democrats in Italy? Monday, Tuesday, several decades. Yeah, 27 years, I think it was, 27, 28 years, they continued to secretly finance uh, Italian political parties. Jesus. And they were doing it with Marshall Plan funds. In the early days. Right. Remember there were some Marshall Plan funds that were set aside oh, yeah, for, yeah. For, for the CIA's yeah. uh, and it was a, throwing It was a small elections. percentage of the Marshall Fund, but it still was hundreds of millions of dollars. So, yeah, no, they had, mm. a, they had a bankroll. They were bankrolled. Yeah. Mm. And this is despite George Marshall saying to Congress, we have stated in many ways that American aid will not be used to interfere mm-hmm. with the sovereign rights of these nations and their own responsibility to work out their own salvation. Hallelujah. I cannot emphasize too much my profound conviction that the aid we furnish must not be tied to conditions which would, in effect, destroy the whole moral justification for our cooperative assistance toward European partnership. We are dealing with democratic governments. One of the major justifications of asking the American people to make the sacrifice necessary under this program is the vital stake that the United States has in helping to preserve democracy in Europe. As democratic governments, they are responsive, like our own, to the peoples of their countries, and we would not have it otherwise. We cannot expect any democratic government to take upon itself obligations or accept conditions which run counter to the basic national sentiment of its people. This program calls for free cooperation among nations mutually respecting one another. I have to say, as an American, George Marshall is still revered in this country. And I can't not help but think he had to know that some of what he was saying was not true. He's not a stupid man, and he was the Secretary of State. He's been around Washington for years. If someone with his stature can make those statements, you almost almost can't blame many Americans for still thinking we were the good guys, we did it, it was a charity, we were helping our fellow man, yada, 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 yada. I mean, if people like him 
can make these statements. I mean, we and we want to believe it. Let's be honest. Everybody wants to think they're the good guys. And so we still hold on to that perception of reality. We believe in the freedom of all people to choose, unless in, they want to choose communism, so then fuck as, democracy. Exactly. Mm. exactly. Or if they're not white, right. like oh. the Vietnamese, fuck them. Then, Sets me you off. Know. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or Korean. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, they'll do what they're fucking told. If, if they're darkies yeah. or got slanty eyes, yeah. fuck them. They do what they're told. But for everyone else... Oh. Completely free Sail. as long as you make the Full right speech. decision. If you make the wrong decision, yeah. well, that's on you. <laughs> I mean, you can't blame us. For you. We gave you freedom. Right. The choose. But you made the wrong decision, so that's, that's on, on you. On you. Could, you know, now we need to get involved. Could you point to me on a map where Korea is at in the North Atlantic or in the Atlantic in general? Because I thought this was called NATO, but I guess we'll get to that later as far. Cause, cause, well, it was a... Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a UN. Yeah, that was UN thing versus in Korea. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. was a NATO. Gotcha. Anyway, um, so you know, the US was getting involved uh, in manipulating elections in Europe, mm-hmm. either directly, like the CIA, right. or indirectly by making veiled threats about if you if you make the wrong decisions, you don't get the money. Right. So the guys that won in these countries were. Pro US, mm-hmm. they they they'd effectively just joined the US economic bloc, yeah, and they were rightfully worried mm-hmm. that anti US forces inside their own countries yes. might rise up against them, yes, uh, and you know they were probably also worried that the Soviet Union would support mm-hmm. pro communist pro socialist forces in their own countries. And they were like, okay, we need help defending. We just we just made a decision for the U.S. Have you made your decision for Christ? Joint we have, right? But now we need protection. Right. You know, okay, Tony Soprano, we just uh, let you take over our uh, retail sporting goods store, right? So you can launder money through it. Right. But now all the other mob families. Uh, pissed taste. that, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, they're not getting their taste anymore. Right. So you need to protect us right. from the other mob families. Now that we've, we've you know, taken a side, yes. we need protection. And that is where NATO's going to come into it. But I think we should uh, leave that for the next episode. Curtain has descended across the continent.